friends, Romans, countrymen, Red Wings fans, welcome to 313 Hockey. Today is going to be a bit of a weird day. But anyway, let's talk a little bit about the Red Wings, because a lot's happened in this last week, and I still don't have answers. I still do not know what to make of this team. Are they the Stanley Cup contenders that I want them to be? Probably not. Are they basement-dwelling Anaheim Ducks-level scumbags? Probably not. They're somewhere in the middle. They're like, maybe mid isn't the word I want to use, but it kind of feels we're we're borderline mid-territory. And the thought of that is scary because we watched mid-teams through most of the 2010s. Having said that, most of that time, they made the playoffs. Could this team make the playoffs? Probably not. Okay, so there was an NHL revenue piece from The Athletic that came out. So The Athletic has released the NHL team attendance tracker with who the biggest risers and fallers are in terms of the total revenue that they bring in. I am not entirely sure what the factors are with this, as I don't have a subscription to The Athletic. Having said that, I do have reader view, though. Took a look at the table, and the Red Wings are currently ranked ranked sixth overall in attendance. This shouldn't be a bit of a shock to anybody who's ever followed the Red Wings, as we are consistently one of the top teams with filling the arenas. Day in and day out, there are constantly Red Wings fans there, even during like the dark rebuild days. So I think that speaks a lot to our loyalty. Uh, on the other hand, uh, our favorite team... The Chicago Blackhawks is currently in the bottom third, dropping nearly 20 places after their team decided that, you know, they suck. What's especially funny about this to me is it goes back to one of the first things Tom said in the show. He he went on this like this rant about the Hawks and he's like, this is the kind of fans that they are. The moment their team start losing, they stop showing up to games. They stop supporting the team. Lo and behold bottom third of attendance. The one that stood out to me the most, though, was the New Jersey Devils at the very bottom of the list. This was weird because they're, I think, first place in the league right now. Like, they're crushing it. I don't understand why people aren't showing up to the games. Is it inflation? Is it Vladimir Putin? Are we too busy supporting the Ukraine to go to games? I understand. You know, I get it. But still, like, you know, it's a first place team. Why would you not go see them? Another fun thing that came out was the NHL announced their all-star game and the new thing they're going to include, fan choice votes. Now, if you guys remember a few years ago, they had fan choice votes for the all-star game and they voted in NHL legend, fighter, and overall bad player, John Scott. I don't want to say he's a bad player. He's probably a nice guy but he definitely isn't the kind of player you'd sign to a multi-year contract extension. He was given honors in the All-Star game, and then Gary Bettman and the NHL took them away because, as we know, the NHL hates fun. We don't want fun in this league. Everybody calls the NFL the no-fun league, but this is the league where if they had their way, they would ban the cool Trevor Zegers goal. They would ban cool dangles and big hits. No, it would just be people passing around, playing like a bunch of 14-year-olds, wheel snipe Sally, 
you know, all that bullshit. But whatever. That's that's beside the point. This time around, with fan choice votes making a return, we need to elect a new mid-king. We need somebody who probably, you know, doesn't show up much on the score sheet, doesn't show much on the stat sheet. Maybe he's not even like a good player. Maybe he's somebody who's often waived, somebody who maybe gets sent down to the AHL, somebody who's, you know, not even cemented a full-time spot for himself on the roster. That is why Robert Hag will be the captain of the Atlantic Division. I want like an all-mid, I want a mid-off. That's what I want. Who gives a shit about the best players? The best players are lame. They already get enough recognition as it is. They don't need a game to themselves. I want a game where players who are trying to find a full-time spot for themselves get to play on this roster. Give me the mid-off. Give me like Robert Hag, Tony D'Angelo, Rasmus Ristolainen, uh, half of the Philadelphia Flyers team. Like, you know, that I think would be more exciting to watch because they're still like the best players out there. Like if I got on the ice right now with Robert Hag, if anybody who isn't in the NHL, besides like Connor Bedard, maybe like two other guys, got on the ice and played one-on-one with Robert Hag, I can almost guarantee you nine times out of ten, Robert Hag would beat them. Because it takes a lot of effort to get into the NHL. It's very hard to get to that point. And it would be really funny to see bad players play really good. Because, like, what happens if one of them, like, winds up playing out of his mind, you know? Like, somebody somebody winds up having a resurgence to his career. I mean, take a look at Tage Thompson. Tage Thompson was never really a mid player, but he almost made history the other night. I mean, he had a six-point game. Six points, five goals against the Columbus Blue Jackets, which is sad because, you know, as we all know, Columbus is an evil, rotten place where people deserve to suffer. No, I'm just kidding. I like Columbus. Maddie hates Columbus, hates Ohio State, and I don't blame her. Many people, many such cases of Ohio State being bad exist. All right. Beyond that, we have a couple updates with players. I don't know if any of you have been watching the games. I have not. I'm just making narratives up based off the top of my head. But Jonathan Bergeron is good. With nine points in 14 games as a rookie, he's gone on kind of a heater the last few games. In the last five games, he has three points, which maybe doesn't seem like much, but when you consider how anemic the offense has been in certain instances, like this is a very good thing. This is a very good thing for Bergeron. I don't think he's going back to the AHL. Hell, I'd be shocked if he ever made it back to the AHL. He's good. I really like him. He's fun to watch. He shouldn't be on the fourth line, in my opinion. Like, it just doesn't make sense keeping him down there, but... He's had some good chemistry with Austin Zarnick, and they've managed to put together some points. On the other side of the coin, Elmer Soderblom is no longer hurt, but he is back in the AHL. They sent him down to the Griffins to get a conditioning stint, you know, get himself figured out, get his mind right. And I'm sure that'll be good for him. You know, after coming back from an injury for a long time and playing your first year in the NHL, that, that game can be a grind. And letting him go back there, play a couple games, you know, get back into the swing of things will ensure that there will be a spot for him up in the NHL again. So, Elmer Soderblom, this is not a goodbye. This is a see you later alligator. I'm so sorry for all of the alligators that listen to this. Uh, I know you guys are having a great time in Florida, and I'm sorry if I made you upset. We have a question come in from our viewers. One of our viewers asked if the Alex Nedeljkovic show is over. 
I don't think it'll be over. I think it's going to wind up being like those last few seasons of like scrubs where you know it should be over. You know it's probably over, but you're just going to keep doing it because maybe there will be a good episode or two. Maybe there will be a couple good performances here and there. I love Ned. He's been a very nice guy. He's very open with the media, like really happy to just be out and interacting with the community of Detroit. But he hasn't really been playing that good. And unfortunately, there comes times in rebuilds and times in, you know, developing a team where you have to make those sacrifices. Because ultimately, it's a business. There's going to be some heartbreaking decisions. There's going to be some things that you might not be happy about. I know a lot of people were very upset about Vladislav Nemesnikov not being re-signed by the Wings. And now he's with the Tampa Bay Lightning with a whole five points in almost 30 games. I hate to say it, but I'm, you know, kind of relieved that we didn't re-sign him. You know, Ned wouldn't be getting this criticism if he was Igor Shesterkin or, you know, any of those other elite goalies. If he was like a perfect goalie who stole games, you know, shut people out, there obviously wouldn't be a problem, right? Yeah, that's what I thought, people. That's what I thought. Let's talk a little bit about the games that we witnessed the last week or so. The first game was against Columbus. A nice little, what is it, 4-2 dub? Yeah, it's fun when the Wings win. Not just when the Wings win, but when Philip Peronik plays good. Philip Peronik, our Norris candidate and frontrunner for the trophy, is going to be outstanding. I know many people have said that he's the best right-wing defenseman, a right-handed defenseman on the roster right now. I still believe most Sider's better, but, you know, it's funny to make those narratives up. Is it? I don't think so. No, the only narratives that are funny are the ones that I make up or the ones that I agree with. So we should live with that. All right. From there, we have Florida. No, actually, it didn't happen. Don't look it up. Don't pay attention to the score. The only thing you need to know is that Jonathan Bergeron scored. Tampa, however, 100 million percent happened. The Jeff Blashill reunion game in Tampa happened. It was the most fun game of the entire season. And you know what's crazy? I feel like I say this all the time. I feel like every week I'm like, oh, yeah, this was the most fun game of the whole season. This was really fun. And that's what this roster has to say for itself is it's just really it's a good time to watch it's fun it's exciting and you can develop your own silly little narratives you can make up whatever shit you want and make things happen i have decided to make a narrative now that we're sitting here gus lindstrom is a top pairing defenseman on a team that plays hockey i don't know which one but he is the best he will be the best defenseman on a roster one year that's that's my prediction, and you can believe it or not, but what I say goes here. This is my podcast, and I'm allowed to say whatever the hell I want. There were great performances from everybody on the roster, just about everybody. I mean, I felt like I wasn't disappointed watching any of the games, and it's now gotten to the point where I'm actually going to go to the game when Jeff Blagio comes back to Detroit, because I've been wondering, how is the city going to react? How is the arena going to react when they do the tribute video to Blash? Because they've got to do two videos. They've got to do Nemesnikov, who will probably have just like a quick one where everybody's like, Ooh, and they'll show the thing of him flapping his jersey. But Blash, how are people going to react with him? Are they going to be happy? Are they going to boo him? They'll probably boo him. I don't think he should be booed, though. I mean, he did this shit for seven years. You know, he put up with 
one of the most insane fan bases in the world. The best fan base in the world, but insane. He did his best with what he was given. Like, if you honestly expected a team where Andreas Anthonisiu was on the top line to make the playoffs and to, like, consistently outperform everybody, you are sorely mistaken. You really think the corpse of Mike Green could have saved the Red Wings? Because I sure don't. I definitely don't. But, yeah, that was a fun game. That was a good time to watch, and I would highly recommend doing it again. If they kept, if they keep winning games, that would be ideal. That would be pretty great. There was a Wings and Stars game that happened yesterday. Uh, I'm recording this on Sunday, and a couple fun things happened. There was a really cool Austin Zarnick turnover. David Perron, DP as we call him, uh, Dick Pick, scored a goal in his 1,000th NHL game. I actually don't really remember a lot about David Perron before he came here, to be like totally honest, but the fact that he made a thousand games is very impressive. What's not impressive, however, is the fact that we let Jamie fucking Ben score. Jamie Ben. For those unfamiliar with the story, Jamie Ben has made multiple jokes about not going down on women. I don't really care what you do in the bedroom, but I think it says a lot about you if you are not able to be fair, if you're not a fair person. And the thing is, it wasn't necessarily like, oh, I just don't do it. You know, that's just not my thing. He like openly was insulting one of his teammates a few years ago. And he's like, yeah, you look like somebody who does. And I'm like, okay, cool. So he looks like someone who gets laid. Jamie Ben, you are like three QAnon videos away from like going full right wing chud. I think it would be actually really funny if Jamie Ben gets involved with like Pizzagate stuff where he's like, oh no, there's a secret ring, a cabal of people. Like, I don't know. That's, that's just the guy I, I picture Jamie Ben to be either that, or he's the guy who like does the P he posts. No, no scratch all of that. This is what Jamie Ben is. Jamie Ben is the guy who posts motivational quotes with like a backdrop of like a picture of Jordan Belfort or like, the guy from Peaky Blinders. It'll be like, I wake up, I grind, I repeat. That's who Jamie Ben is. He like slicks his hair back. He probably is really into like NFTs and investing. Like he's he's that kind of guy. He's the finance bro who doesn't know how to deal with hoes. Maidenless behavior. Jamie Ben, you broke Dylan Larkin's neck and you have no maidens. Anyway, this entire season is weird. I don't understand it. I think it's been one of the weirdest seasons I've ever watched in hockey, and I say that every year as well. But why is Detroit still in a playoff spot? I don't understand. I don't know. I just I just don't think this roster is a playoff roster. Unless like everybody else in the division continues to suck. Like I, I think they're punching way above their weight right now. Like that's that's where I stand. And I've changed my narrative to that. I'll say this in case they do make the playoffs. Ready? <clears throat> Oh, yeah, I always knew they had it in them. Yeah, this, this team is great. I believe in them all the way. They are totally a playoff team, and they're going to make it. If this sounds like the ramblings of, like, an insane person, it's because it is, because I'm just here talking to myself. Like, I'm literally talking into a void, staring at a thing of show notes, and just trying to host a show. This is 
this is probably how rappers feel when they freestyle or presidents when they give speeches. So really consider me like a presidential figure to you, maybe like, not like a God necessarily, but you know, a leader, a, a cult leader, perhaps. Yeah. Because if you listen to three, one, three hockey, I have some bad news. You probably need to go to therapy or you need to join my cult. And for 10 easy payments of 19, let's talk about the prospects. Let's talk about how everyone on this team is doing, because there's a lot to cover. Marco Casper, the star of the show, probably a top three prospect in the wings wheel, the wings, the wings, whatever. He will not be joining the world juniors, but in my opinion, he doesn't need to be. If you looked at just the pure stat sheet and you saw 12 points in 24 SHL games, you'd be a little concerned, but you don't see the role he plays on this roster. I mean, he is, he's a two-way guy. He's the one putting in all the effort. He even gets a little physical with some like adult men. Uh, he's been playing really, really well. And I think he's up against tougher competition than just about anybody else in the <laughs> development leagues right now. I think the SHL, honestly, if I were to rank like all of the developmental leagues, I think I'd go AHL, KHL, SHL, and then the Finnish Liga. And then I might even put like college leagues over the CHL, like the, you know, the WHL, OHL, like all the like junior leagues. I just, especially the, what's the QMJHL, that, that one seems to not work very well. Dovaleno is in the Q and I mean, he played pretty well and he's coming into his own this year, but like Alexei Lafreniere, who is the first overall pick for the New York Rangers has been kind of mid. Kind of mid. Don't let any Rangers fan tell you otherwise. Because if you look at the totals, if you look at his impact, for the guy that should have been, you know, Jack Hughes level good, he has not really lived up to expectations. Maybe he will next year. That's okay. I'd like to be proven wrong. I don't think I will be, though. There are other players we need to talk about, like Simon Edvinson. Simon Edvinson will also not be doing the World Juniors this year. Again, probably for the better, because dude has been playing extremely well. He is probably the best defenseman on the Griffins roster and one of the best defensemen in the AHL right now. Even though he had a, you know, struggle at camp, like it's important to remember that he's like 19 years old. He's a really young kid. When I was 19, I had just learned how beer tastes, especially when you have a lot of beer. And Simon Edvinson is learning how to beat full-grown men in hockey. So I think he could play in the NHL right now. I think realistically, if you called him up and you threw him on a line, he would play and he'd be playing pretty well, but I don't think there's an obvious spot for him. You're not going to break up that second pairing of Hironic and Mata because they're both playing just out of their minds right now. I don't think Ben Sherratt is going anywhere unless like Jake Wallman replaces him, which I don't think is going to happen because that bottom pairing of Jake Wallman and Jordan Osterley is playing surprisingly pretty well. And Gus Lindstrom comes in here and there, but he hasn't really been having a good season. And obviously Mo Sider is Mo Sider, so he's going to be there forever. He's, they're going to throw Mo Sider out there for like 30 seasons, and he's still going to be just as good as he was when he was a rookie. If not better, probably better. Back to Marco Casper really quickly. I forgot to mention this. If you are worried about him having low point totals, just remember that Lucas Raymond also had really, really low point totals in his first SHL season. And look where he is now. He's great. We love him. We're a big fan. All right, Edmondson. I don't think he's going to play many games in the NHL this season. 
because would you rather have him play like a bottom pairing defenseman role with Jordan Osterley as his partner? Or do you want to see him rip and tear against the AHL's best on their top line, munching minutes, you know, being being the dominant defenseman? Personally, that's where I would want him to be. And I'm sure he agrees. The one name that's really been catching my eye lately is Dmitry Buchelnikov. He is just such an interesting, peculiar player because he plays on SKA St. Petersburg in the KHL, which is the most stacked team in the KHL. Like, basically, it's the equivalent of, like, trying to be a rookie and making your way on, like, the Tampa Bay Lightning roster from a few years ago where just every line was just full of amazing players. With that said, he has been up and down between the KHL, VHL, and MHL, which are all different development leagues. He has nine points in three games in the MHL, which is probably why he isn't playing there anymore. Lately, he's been in the VHL with 11 goals, eight points, and nine, or eight assists, and 19 points in 16 games. He is too good for either of those leagues. And realistically, if you put him in the K, I bet he'd be one of their best players. I don't know when we'll be seeing Pachelnikov, but with the way he's been playing lately, I could see him having NHL potential, like serious NHL potential. Plus, he's one of those players that reminds me of a certain other Russian forward that was drafted in the second to third round by Steve Eiserman that happened to turn into a superstar. Is he going to become a Kucherov? I don't know. Probably not. Having said that, this is my narrative. He will be better than Nikita Kucherov. In fact, in fact, he will be considered a top five Russian player of all time when this is done. That's right. Fuck you, Ilya Kovalchuk. I'm just kidding. You're fine. I like you. Carter Mazur is Tyler Bertuzzi 2.0. With 19 points in 18 games with Denver in the NCAA, Carter Mazur is showing again why it was foolish to skip on him so met so often in this game in this this draft he is a dog i mean he's he's got it in him he's strong he's able to outmuscle his opponents and he gets under their skin pretty well too like i said he's like a bertuzzi 2.0 i don't know what they're going to do with bertuzzi or if they're going to keep him around hold on a second jimmy stop my cat's being a little nuts He's meowing for attention. You can probably hear him. This mic picks up on a lot of stuff. Come here. Jimmy's a big fan of Carter Mazur. He thinks that Carter Mazur is going to make it into the NHL. And at worst, he's going to be probably a, a bottom six forward. I think realistically, he's going to be a middle six guy, maybe second, third line. He'll be the guy that goes off during the playoffs and like really makes a name for himself around them. There are players that are struggling, however. Sebastian Cosa is a great example. Goalies take time. We know this. This is known. He's not doing too hot. He's been playing between the AHL and the ECHL with the Toledo Walleye, and he has been a little bit underwhelming on all instances. So that's not great. That's not a very pleasant experience. I hope that he's able to turn things around. Honestly, I think he's going to turn things around. I don't think it's going to be an issue by any means, but. It does make you, you know, it does make your skin crawl a little bit whenever you think about goalies that take time. You think about Tom McCollum or like any of those other guys. I mean, 
Peter Morazic ended up being pretty all right. He kind of sucks now, but like at that time he was really, really good. But you know, we had all these guys where it's like, is this the next guy? Is this the next guy? Victor Bratstrom, who is a Toronto Maple Leafs depth goalie, sucks. I don't know. I don't know if the Wings are good at developing goalies. I hope they are for Kosa's sake. He's a high risk, high reward guy. I mean, we knew this when we got in, and hopefully that things turn out for the best. All right, folks. You can only do so much when you're just one person. I've done what I can, and I hope I've kept you entertained for a while. And if I haven't, listen again, and then listen a third time. And then, even then, if you're still not feeling good, at least you know that you did something right in giving us extra views and downloads. Thank you for all of that. Next week, I'm hoping we can have a guest. I'm sure I can pull somebody together, but I really, really enjoy doing this. I enjoy hanging out with you guys. And I really appreciate everybody who's taken their time to listen, especially on this episode, which has not been easy for me. I appreciate you. I appreciate Maddie and Tom. With that said, we love you. Go wing and have a great rest of the day.